on the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, friends of Talking Catholic. We're here one more time with another great episode during uh, this remote time. Mike, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. This is, uh, this is uh, we've now become old hat at this. We uh, just recorded a, a video podcast for you for Compartiendo to Dawn yesterday that'll go up, uh, or that went up rather on, the, what was that, uh, April 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And uh, that has gotten interesting. And now we're and we're continuing to do the, the podcast through the Zoom web conferencing. And it's getting to the point where I feel like I never Ever need to be in the presence of another person aside from my family ever again, right, Marianella? Oh no, that's that's not how I feel. I feel polite <laughs> people, Mike. I wonder if you are feeling a little bit like um, nostalgic about not being in the vault. Uh, I, well, you know, I, I have to say I am blessed in the sense that I do get to go into work once a week because we're still putting out the Catholic Star Herald. Uh, and the only way to do that is in person. So I, I do get to see my beloved uh, very yellow vault uh, every Tuesday of, uh, of the month. But And I will be honest with you, there are times I just go in there and sit in there and go, ah, the good old days. But uh, <laughs> but no. But no, this, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm an introvert, so this has been very easy for me. I, you know, the, the, the hard part for me is having small talk and meeting people in the hallways not an issue any longer so it's been great well, some some's helping you out so with you people Marianne Ellen Nunez the field consultant for the if and also co, uh, co-host of Talking Catholic and we have here Mike Walsh uh, the director of communications this podcast is uh, related Mark Mike and so we have wonderful people on our panel should i call it a panel yeah you and you and mary beth peabody from the catholic schools offices has put together quite a quite a murderer's row of educational talent for us so i'm very we're very excited about that so um, i'm gonna go around and introduce everybody and just you name uh mary beth peabody our um communications manager for the office of catholic schools she's here with us welcome mary beth good morning thank you for having me no, it's thank you for helping you. to set all this up, Mary Beth. It was this was yeah. this is outstanding. You always put together whenever we we do a schools podcast. You always put together a great list of uh, of guests. So you've you've done it again. Welcome. She, she saves the day. She Mike. does. Uh, and we also have with us today uh, the principal of Bishop McHugh School, uh, Mr. Tom McGuire. Welcome, Tom. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be with you guys. A pleasure. Uh, we also have the principal of uh, Condon Catholic, Heather Krishi. Welcome, Heather. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, we have uh, the principal of Guardian Angels, Sister Geraldine Einstein. Welcome, Sister Geraldine. Good morning. How is everybody? All good. Happy Easter to you, too, and everybody else. Uh, and we also have the principal of Holy Spirit High School, uh, Dr. Thomas Farron, welcome. Hi, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation school related to uh, make sure that all of our listeners at Talking Catholic 
are aware of what's going on in our Catholic schools nowadays, Mike. And yeah, and I think where I'd sort of like to start with this is now, Marianella, you have uh, your kids are in school and, and they've been sort of out of school now for a month. And and my son is celebrating uh, a, celebrating a month out of school so far. Um, but I'm kind of curious uh, with, with the principals and, and I guess I'll start with Heather. Um, Heather, what was it like for you when, like, how did you know we were probably going to get to this point? Uh, were you following the governor's uh, statements or did you kind of see this coming or did it kind of hit you out of left field? Oh, no. Um, I would say uh, probably the, that week of March 9th uh, really was watching pretty intently what was happening in the world. Um, I think by the middle of that week, um, this had been declared a pandemic and we were really looking ahead to say, okay, we're probably going to end up um, out of school the following week. So between March 11th and March 13th, um, I really put out a note to all of the teachers. I said, this is our plan. If we end up going online next week, this is what's going to happen. Um, that Friday, March 13th, um, I actually wrote out this pretty lengthy speech and we have uh, school news every morning. And so I went on the news that morning and I said to the kids, I said, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, I really stressed to them that a lot of this is unknown. Um, so, and I have the luxury of, you know, working with grades nine through 12. So I can say to them that, you know, they all have already been watching the news. They've been having these conversations with their families. Um, and we do have an unknown situation, but we also have to be prepared for that. And something as small as you're going home today after school and you're going to take all of your books home with you. Um, that was important because that was enabled us to start up that next week and to just keep with some consistency for the kids. Yeah. And what about it at the grade school letter, uh, level? Um, Sister Geraldine, you know, uh, I, I think high schools have a habit of being, uh, you know, because they're a little more technological technologically advanced they often are like ready for stuff like this how about at your stage at the at the elementary school level where uh where parents and students caught off guard or or did you find that everyone sort of pitched in right from the beginning well, i think they pitched in right at the beginning um, however i was getting messages i was at a confirmation on the 14th the 13th i was at a confirmation i think the 13th or 14th the 14th um i was at a confirmation and my phone kept on buzzing off and on, off and on, off and on. I was like, you know, I really can't stay at this confirmation. I've got to get out. And that's when I think the bishop had informed us that the schools were going to be closed starting on the 16th. Um, but on the 13th, I did prepare the children by telling them that they did have to take all their books home. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what the future held as far as they were going to be back in school on Monday or, or whatever. Um, but they did take everything home. I had the two campuses, so I had to address the younger children in one way and the older children in another way. So I found that a little bit challenging, but the children reacted very, very well. Um, They're very responsive to me, and so were the teachers. Um, I did send also a note to the parents, and I let them know what was happening. And I just got very good responses. They just wanted to be informed, that was all. Yeah, I um 
that was my biggest worry as we were putting stuff out from at the diocesan level that we were going to really be upsetting the world for these kids and for these parents. And I, I'm curious, Tom, um, you know, was there, I and mean, it's Tom McGuire, this is, uh, was there, was there a pushback from parents or like, was there a great unknown Were you, were you finding, you know, like, were there any feelings of, you know, the, the sky's falling or, or, were people pretty calm in terms of the parents? Well, in, our case, in our case, Mike, uh, since our school really spans from age two through grade eight, we, we really got a series of different reactions from folks. And I think, you know, each child at each particular grade level kind of uh, internalized it differently. I think uh, first off the week of March 9th, um, our folks, you know, had inklings that this might be coming uh, as Heather and, and Sister Gerilyn shared. But this is it just turned out to be something so much different than, you know, your typical snow day or your typical uh, series of snow days. You know, we've had experiences being out of school for a week and even longer than that a couple years ago in terms of snow days. And now at that time, little did we know this was going to be a many, many week uh, situation uh, that really is is brand new to all of us. So I think in addition to uh, kids really internalizing this and interpreting this differently, us adults, it's it's been a learning experience for us as well. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and so we focused a lot about in, in our articles so far that we've done in the Star Herald and we've done online, we've focused a lot on the kill, the children's perspective. So uh, Tom Farron, I'm kind of curious, you know, how difficult was this for the teachers to get up to speed? I mean, I get the impression that it was rather breakneck speed of their ability to go from in-class teaching to distance learning teaching. Well, sure, that kind of a paradigm shift is going to be jarring for anybody. But we were fortunate as a school that we had, back in the summer, decided to go to one platform. So we had two or three different um, tech, you know, digital platforms, and we decided just to go to the G Suite. And so every teacher over the past you know, in eight, nine months was getting comfortable with Classroom and Google Forms and Google Docs and how to share documents with students and, and go back and forth, both in terms of a document that can be shared with the entire class or kind of a one-on-one document with a student where they can communicate, you know, hey, I'm not understanding this problem or this situation. Um, and then we were fortunate, again, like everybody's been saying, we we had wind of this, um, our nurse brought it to our attention January 27th, and we kind of slowly in the beginning, because we weren't sure of what it was, do, did some research on it. But by by March, uh, we, were, we were fully aware that there was going to be some changes happening to the school. And so we were fortunate in our scheduling that we had a, a department chairs meeting and a faculty meeting within a week in, in um, end of April, early March. And so we we started planning with our chairs early on in end of April there about communicating with their departments, about thinking ahead and planning ahead and what would happen. And then as it became evident, you know, it was glaringly obvious, as people have said by March 9th, that it was coming. It was just a matter of, of when. Um, we'd had a chance to sit down with the chairs with our entire faculty, and we actually shifted our faculty meeting away from our normal agenda into a working meeting. And so we all sat down in our computer lab and every single teacher within their department was able to figure out how to plan ahead three to five lessons using the digital platforms so that when Friday came, and I think Heather said it, we had everybody in the building uh, take their stuff home. So our teachers were ready for it. We had been making announcements during the week to prepare for it. Um, So the planning was fine. I think the transition that first Monday when the reality hit (laughs) was a little bit... um, (laughs) 
a little bit, okay, so now we have to suddenly get, you know, four or five classes delivered content wise at a set time during the course of a day. And oh, by the way, we have our regular lives to try to manage at home. Yeah. Because suddenly kids are home and, and grandparents are over and whoever's there. Um, I think the hardest part was not the planning. Um, it was the first two or three days. And I think the only reason we were able to be successful is because we had the plan. Every teacher had three to five lessons um, on the Friday before. Yeah. No, there was a lot of brilliance in that. And, uh, you know, I'm curious now that, you know, that was your that was sort of like your first day going into it. I'm curious, how have things sort of changed over the course of the month? What did you realize? What did you think was going to work at the beginning? It didn't. And what did you think might be difficult and turned out not being difficult at all? Mike, uh, I open this to everybody. Before, before we go into that question, could I ask uh, Mary Beth Peabody to jump in just a little to tell us uh, how um, the Office of Catholic Schools sort of like prepare uh, all of the principals before these happen and, and uh, tell us a little bit about that pre-meeting we have we had with the elementary school principals and high school principals to talk about having a plan for this. Okay, I can pick up with that meeting to do that question. Justice would really, really require uh, Dr. Bill Watson, our school superintendent, who was working with the principals um, long before that meeting to put plans in place. But we had a meeting with our elementary school principals the Thursday before schools closed. And at that point, it was like, yeah, we're really pretty sure this is coming. It could be sometime next week. And could be sooner, but we think it'll probably be sometime next week. And then the next day, the word came, that's it. And uh, that meeting with the principals was just incredible. It really was. We, um, I think they spent the first, uh, and Tom and Sister Geraldine, you can certainly jump in here, um, but they really spent probably the better part of two hours just sharing their feelings about what this would mean for people. And it's, and it's funny to kind of go back to that because now we're so deep into it that all of those thoughts have long since played out. But, you know, what do we do for working parents? What do we do for people who are in healthcare that are still going to have to get up and go to work? This is going to be a childcare issue as much as an academic issue. And, and it was really great because nobody was, was debating whether or not it should happen because those decisions were not for any of us to debate. But it was more how will this look and how will it play out? And then they spent the afternoon going through, they, they worked on plans and then divided into groups and shared their thoughts. And I think they really left by the end of that day with a pretty good framework, which meant, you know, most of them had already been working on anyway, but it was just a, um, it was a very unified uh, process. And, and you just had this sense that something really big was gonna come out of this and it has, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Thank you, Mike. I'm sorry I uh, interjected your question, but I felt like, you know, it was important for people to sort of like get a frame since the beginning and then, you know, we move on. So keep going. <laughs> uh, so just out of curiosity, I mean, how how have things sort of morphed? You had your idea of how things were going to be from the get go. And now that you've been doing it for four weeks, um, how have things sort of altered? Like, what did you realize um, you thought would work that didn't and things you didn't think that worked that did? This is open to everybody. Wow, I've jumped, jumped, I've jumped uh, four principles. We... I'm th right. so thrilled. This is awesome. All right. No, I'm <laughs> sorry, Tom. <laughs> yeah, Thomas, level, what were you saying? Yeah. 
Well, I was at the elementary level, um, at least at our school, we were initially thinking the use of packets might be a big part of the paradigm of distance learning with the with the younger kids in particular. Uh, but as time has evolved, as each week has went by, we've realized the need for uh, more video messaging. We've done a lot of video-based instruction, uh, starting with that at the fourth through eighth grade level, and then bringing that down to second and third grade, and then first grade, as well as kindergarten. So our approach has really evolved each week, you know, to really help kids have things to be as normal as possible. That's really that's been our goal all along. And it's just uh, it's taken a little bit of time to really get the approach to where we want it to be uh, with now teachers using the online learning platforms uh, without really any issues, just as if the kids were in school and uh, their dedication, the teacher's dedication and approaches is really uh, the same, if not more than it is when uh, the kids are here. And, and they've really I have to give them credit. They've developed this approach really, really well over the course of time. That's good to hear. And Thomas, you were going to say something as well? I think one of the things that worked um, kind of the way we were hoping to was our schedule. We had debated going to a schedule where, you know, students would check in their first period and their second period as if it was a regular school day. But one of the things we heard from teachers with multiple kids at home was that that wasn't going to work if they had two or three or four kids trying to check in at various times um, on however many devices they had at home. And so we crafted uh a, a daily schedule where teachers were available by departments mm -hmm. and you know so from 10 to 11 30 everybody in english and science was going to be available so students could check in at 10 15 or 11 or whatever it was um and the day would kind of go until six o'clock right unless a teacher independently decided a different time and the core value that we saw in that scheduling was the flexibility of it mm -hmm. trying to recognize that you need stability to tom's point there needs to be kind of a sense of normalcy but you also have to be aware of the changes in the, and the pulls on time that we can't actually predict, but we know they're gonna be there. So that that's worked pretty well. And I think what we've learned through the process in that scheduling is load management and content. Mm -hmm. You know, we had a lot of questions in the beginning, is it gonna be a week or two weeks? You know, do we teach new material or do we, and Heather was in uh, the conversation we had, do we teach new material or do we just review? Mm -hmm. And as it's gone on and on, um, and we've gotten into new content, how do we manage the, that amount of work um, for, students who have four or five classes and teachers who have four and five classes and 150 students um, so that it's effective and it's on pace, uh, but it's also taking into account the reality of the world we have. And uh, somebody shared in, in one of our communication threads um, some meme, and I'm going to misquote it drastically, but it basically said, have you ever taken an online course? Have you ever taken five online courses at the same time? Have you ever had to answer to five different teachers and five different methods and five different times? <laughs> now imagine what your high school kids are going through. Yeah. Um, and that, that brought it home for a lot of the teachers who were kind of struggling and, and um, feeling some frustration with some of the things that are going to happen, right? Not everything is going to get in on time because, you know, my brother needs to use a computer, but my sister needs to use a computer at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. But that, that load management, I think after two weeks, we had another conversation. Um, and I, I think that's been the core throughout this is the flexibility and the communication. The more honest we are kind of internally with the faculty and staff and administration, the more honest we can be with our students and our families, and we're all pushing and pulling in the same direction. And that's been um, probably the most effective piece of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would echo that communication is critical in this situation because we don't have FaceTime every day with our faculty and our students. And I mean, 
when you, when you face it, we all got into teaching to be with kids every day and to be with these adults, these incredible adults uh, with whom we work every day. Um, and if just to echo what the other principals are saying, you know, our teachers are doing a phenomenal job. They turned around their programs in less than 24 hours in some cases to move to a completely online platform. Um, now, my teachers, I mean, like Tom said, we're not doing review. Like they're teaching new content, they're doing current lessons, they're moving on with their curriculum. Um, we have things to think about like preparation for AP exams at the end of the school year, um, being mm -hmm. sure that we're moving students to the end of um, a course sequence so that they're prepared for next year within the course without um, thoughts of regression or missing something. Um, so that load management is really important because we've had to consider things like um, how much work are we sending home and being sure that we're on top of things and being sure that we're able to manage that. Um, and I'll say that the response that I've gotten from parents and from students has been really incredible and really positive. Um, they're thankful for what we're doing. They're thankful for their teachers. They're thankful that we're keeping things as regular as we possibly can. Um, and I would say, you know, a lot are really impressed. I mean, I'm really impressed with my teachers and what they're doing. And I jump into their classrooms, their Google classrooms, and I watch the videos that they're posting, um, the messages that they're sending home. I mean, I am truly inspired by my teachers and the work that they're doing. Um, and I think that they're doing so much for our Catholic school students that, you know, I'm just incredibly thankful for them. That's awesome. I, uh, as you were talking Heather, I was thinking how, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, easier for high school students to, to transition to online learning because uh, they have been exposed already uh, in a lot of ways to this kind of method of uh, learning. How is it for you guys in the elementary school level for younger kids, how is it going? How are teachers feeling about this? I found that for the teachers of the younger students, they're having a good time. Um, I see some of the videos with them dancing, especially with the pre-K, <laughs> doing their morning historical time, they're doing their dancing with the children, and they seem like they're, they're enjoying this kind of interaction. I think the kids enjoy it also. Um, sometimes I feel the stress of the parents with the younger children, uh, more so I guess the kindergarten, first and second grade, because the children need so much help that it's difficult for the parents to do their work and then to help the younger children at the same time. Uh, but the teachers have been very available. The parents are extremely happy because of this. And like I said, the teachers, just like you said, Heather, the teachers have been doing an excellent job. Um, I've had teachers from various levels, various technological abilities, but they're all reaching the mark right now, and they're mm -hmm. doing everything they can to meet the needs of the individual children. Um, but I said, like, one of the challenges is trying to keep the stress level of the parents a little bit lower in order for them not to be showing too much stress to the children, which in turn makes the children very stressful. So that's one of our challenges. But like I said, the teachers are really doing a good job with the younger kids and even the older children. They're all working very well. 
You know, it's it's funny as as I've been personally going through this, you know, social distancing and and quarantining at home and and however we choose to refer to it. Um, I've actually found it to be a blessing. Uh, my son's in sixth grade at, at St. Michael's Catholic School in uh, in Clayton, New Jersey. And what I found is that the that the classwork has actually offered a sense of normalcy in the sense that, um, you know, he still has a regimented day and there has been a lot of flexibility in it because it took him a little while to learn how email works and that you need to check it <laughs> six or seven times a day. You can't check it in the morning and figure you're done with the day. Once he learned he had to check it at three o'clock and five o'clock, everything got easier. Um but it's it's given him it's given him enough things to work on things to stay focused on as opposed to just being on his iPad or running around outside or, or anything like that and and it's in a lot of ways it's forced him to be very creative um, because of how sort of this unique situation uh, he's been given a lot of assignments that have been video based so he's been making a lot more videos and and the technology is is has really been beneficial for him have there been any circumstances for for the four of you uh, particularly I guess at the elementary school level where you've had to make some accommodations for folks who might not have access to electronics or a good Wi-Fi connection for for some of these kinds of things and and maybe how did you get past that Tom has that happened to you at all um, I'm sorry one of the platforms is uh, Google Classroom that we use the other one is Zoom and both really require the technology so we made some accommodations because we did have um I'd say about a dozen cases where folks didn't have enough technology at home, where there's siblings, where the computer needs to be shared or the laptop needs to be shared. And, and in those cases, we were, would sign out the Chromebooks uh, to the children from school. And then uh, we would really have to work with them if they haven't used uh, particular programs before, uh, you know, mostly at the younger levels to really equip the students and the families with what they need to allow the teachers to be able to deliver the instruction. And, and likewise, there's been a lot of learning for us as educators with the different features of the programs. And uh, one of the really cool things with Zoom to really give that uh, in the classroom feel is you can have breakout sessions and you know break the kids into groups and you know parents can be involved in that too and then you know bring the whole group back together. So uh, there's there's been a lot of learning, but definitely uh, the sharing of materials including technologic resources to, you know, equip everybody with what they need to be successful during this time. It's also been a great learning experience for my wife, who uh, I've been working all this time. So my wife has suddenly learned the importance of being a teacher and just the struggles that, of course, uh, teachers go yeah. through. You know, there have been many memes, you know, that have gone around in the last couple of months about how or the last couple of weeks about uh, the next time a teacher asks for a million dollars, give it to them because it's a very hard job that they do and you don't realize it until you're doing it yourself trying to keep up with that workload. And I think particularly for when you have younger students, uh, younger children who are students, um, the in terms of our faith, we're, we're all Catholic school. This is, a, this is a Catholic school podcast. You are all Catholic school educators. Um, how has it been to sort of incorporate the spirituality of Catholic schools into the programming as well so that 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 element that makes us special in terms of our our catholic schools uh i wonder how easy that is to transfer digitally and virtually i mean i think that's been really important for our school and our school community um we're fortunate enough to have uh three priests who work with camping catholic um 
Father Joe Capello as our rector, Father Ed Kennedy as our director of Catholic identity, and Monsignor Martin is our president emeritus. And the three of them have graciously offered to say daily mass um, that we've been able to post to our Facebook page um, for our families, for our alumni. Um, and that's been really wonderful because it keeps that, that we, we have daily mass at school every day. So it's every morning, it's in our chapel. Um, so having that, it's that consistent piece to our community. Um, we've done a lot of things that are embedded within each one of the teacher's classrooms. Um, so something as simple as starting your lesson with prayer and mm. even your virtual lesson starts with prayer um, and getting that kind of feedback from our parents. So we did a parent survey after our first week week online and more than one parent communicated to me in the survey, I am so happy that your teachers are starting with prayer. Um, and that's really inspirational and that's something that the teachers need to see. Um, we have a really active campus ministry office and we have a campus ministry Google Classroom that has, I think at this point, almost our entire student body is in there. Um, and it's very, um, it's kind of, a, 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 they call it a low key place to visit. So when you go into that Google Classroom, there's daily prayers, there's inspirational messages, um, something for you to live your faith life every day when you're still living this virtual online. Um, and we've kept up our service opportunities. So we actually, our campus minister has started something called the Irish Express. And, you know, once a week, she makes pickups with social distancing uh, regulations in place. But we are making donations to Cathedral Kitchen still, um, you know, trying to hit some of the people that we know are still in need and who really benefited from what we had done before we closed. Um, we're just trying to continue to do what we can. Um, and I think that that speaks a lot about our community when people are still willing to make these donations and to do things for um, those who are in need. No, oh, that's wonderful. And, and what about at the elementary school level? What have, what, how have you been able to sort of incorporate spirituality in, into your, into your programming still? Is it... We also start our day with a prayer. Um, unfortunately, I'm not as consistent as I would like to be um, with doing that, but I do encourage the teachers to, to start the time with prayer. I also make the the parents aware of different opportunities that are found on Facebook, on EWTN, on our live stream masses. So I know that a lot of them have been attending um, with the live streaming, especially during the Easter, the Easter Triduum. Mm -hmm. um, they were working a lot with following all of our parish masses. We try to send messages of hope to the families because I think right now that's something that they desperately need. They need to know that there is going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. So I do try to also send them different messages like that. As far as the service projects, we haven't done that many, um, but I think we are going to um, consider sending some of the cards to the nursing homes and trying to have outreach. I try to have the children realize that their outreach can be right there to their own brothers and sisters. So mm -hmm. I think that's also very important that they help each other at home. I do remind them also of that. Yeah. Now, Mary Beth, you've actually had one of uh, my favorite jobs sort of going along is you get to cull through all of their social media. We have 36 schools in the Diocese of Camden, and uh, we have the, the Office of Catholic Schools has its own Facebook page. So every day you've been great at posting 
really absolutely lovely content coming from all the schools showcasing what the students are working on how the schools are staying active you know uh what the teachers are doing to sort of show that um whimsy that that happens in our schools that that people love so much can you go through some of the things you've seen over the last several weeks yeah and i i I appreciate i I don't want but don't bring up the the special thing about camden catholic yet because i kind of want to end with that Um, I, I appreciate you saying that because I always feel guilty that I'm missing some, you know, you, you see a lot and you can only put up a couple things a day. And then there was also a lot of content that we were sharing from the diocese during, um, Holy week. And, but, um, just uh, pictures of children, a lot of families have been sending in pictures of their children doing the assigned work or um, the first week it was really fun, especially with the little kids, seeing them discover Zoom. People would send in (laughs) pictures and you would see a child's face just staring at their screen in disbelief that all the classmates were there. Um, So that was really fun. We've had some beautiful videos that teachers have prepared for their students just to say, hey, we're, you know, we haven't forgotten about you, we're still here. So most of those are like a montage of photographs with somebody holding a sign. Some of them are actual pieces of video put together. Um, we've had yesterday, Tom McGuire sent me some photos uh, off the off Facebook um, of just a ton of cards that he had received from students who had done these cards for a nursing home, which they then were sending out to the nursing home. So I posted a picture of the cards last night. Um, it's really been quite amazing uh, to see. It, it is. This is a very weird world that we're living in right now. That we're we're all separated from each other, and the fact that people. I'm I'm truly impressed and often humbled by the fact that so many of our schools are going this extra mile to to, to show joy that that while we may be you know, locked in our homes for a while, um, that life continues to go on and we can still be kind to each other and do good things for each other or remember each other and, and interact. You know, we've had this sort of phrase going, going on at the diocesan level that, um, you know, that we're remaining faithful together by being apart. And, and, you know, I think, I think there's been sort of a, a, an unfortunate but wonderful learning experience that has forced us to all get out of our comfort comfort zones. If any of us were in a rut, we're not in a rut anymore. Uh, that is that is for certain. We have compl- all these new opportunities being presented to ourselves, and I haven't seen. I know. I'm sure there have been moments of depression and sadness and things like that. But from what I've seen, what people are actually trying to do, it's, it's there is joy out there. That, that really does bolster my spirits. And, and I got to tell you, most of what the joy I've seen has come from our, our Catholic schools. So congratulations to the four of you and to all of your all of your colleagues who are doing such a great job. What about you, Mary Beth? Have you, you been? Know, I think. Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. Go ahead. I was just going to say one of the things I th- that in, in my Easter letter home I think the timing of, of all this is kind of telling, you know, we're doing a lot of this is happening during the Easter season and we're now talking about coming out of this at the Easter season. And one of the things I tried to kind of connect was the understanding that um, in the passion and resurrection of Christ, we can see the hope of a new life. Right. And I'm a language guy. I was a Spanish teacher for years. And so I w- and went to a Jesuit high school. So I had Latin and Greek. So I, you, you go back to pathos of feeling and suffering and you go to Latin suffering, enduring and experiencing. And then you get to the common, you know, modern day contemporary understanding of passion is intense love. And when we see that, that, that suffering, that, that pain, that experience that Jesus shared, um, 
it remains a, a kind of a symbol of unity and of hope and of love for all of us. And so the fact that this is happening now in Easter season, as we're going into spring, we see the symbols of flowers coming out in bloom, birds are coming out more. All of that for me is the sign of hope. And the fact that we're out of our comfort zone, trying to share that with each other is just a new opportunity to express that. Yeah. Um, uh, that was uh, that, that's great to hear. I was wondering for all of you, uh, this is an open question. Um, I know that during uh, Holy Week, the schools, uh, you know, uh, suggested to students to maybe put a sign up on their doors or uh, do something related artistic that would showcase uh, Holy Week and maybe uh, Easter Sunday or Palm Sunday. How is that in your schools? What did you see that you liked the most? You, no, in I, terms of what have they posted? Yeah, what have they shared? Yeah, yeah. What so have the they pictures, yeah, the pictures you've seen uh, of uh, the things that students and families are were doing during Holy Week. Uh, I know that some schools, like uh, as for our projects, where uh, I would see on social media a lot of doors that were decorated with crosses, or uh, you know, people were asked to put uh, you know wreaths on their doors to celebrate Palm Sunday. Did you see any of that? And what did you like the most? I think that we we also we shared the whole idea of putting wreaths up on your doors for Palm Sunday. Um, you know, I, we've been sharing a lot of what we did um, prayer and celebrating liturgies. And I, I think the 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 things that were most impactful for me were our community's comments on all of the things that we shared with them, because what it told me was that it meant a lot to them, their faith life, their, their own personal journeys and celebrations of the Easter season. I think having us being there and doing these things for them uh, was probably a big part of their own personal celebrations with their families. That's awesome. You know, I'm curious, but, uh, the, the the four of you, like, how have you been dealing with this in particular? I mean, it's it can't be easy as a principal to sort of be, you know, removed from everyone. You you have all of your faculty, you have your staff, you have your students. I know, Heather, you mentioned earlier, this is not what you get into to, to, to be at mm -hmm. home when you want to be a teacher. But has it been, have there been times of difficulty for you or, you know, have you sort of gotten through those? It's definitely been a lot different um, in terms of prioritization of tasks and just the overall management of the day as a principal. It's uh, the school day looks different. Um, most of the meetings, uh, you know, so used to doing those in person, they're now all done via Zoom or WebEx. Um, you can't, you know, the physical classes taking place are, are, are not, you know, at school. You can't walk the hallways and go into different classrooms and see the children and the teachers. Uh, it's now walking the, the digital hallways and trying to, you know, get involved with the Google Classroom lessons and the different activities to the extent that I can that the classes are working on. So it just, it changes the whole paradigm of collaboration. It makes it uh, more technologically based um, and also the collaboration with colleagues and even potential new students and families, you know, This is the time of year where we're giving tours and meeting with prospects. And now we're looking at different ways to approach that virtually. So uh, just a, a big shift in, in paradigm. And 
you know, how the day uh, works. You know, actually, you that leads me to a, to another question, which is, you know, we are coming up to that season. So how have you been offering virtual tours or, or getting new students who might be interested in coming to Camden Catholic? There's a whole bunch of eighth graders who are, you know, looking to, to come up. How are you able to sort of make those interactions? Well, I can say that, you know, we the high schools, we had our the bulk of our registration came the end of February. So between now and through the summertime, um, we spent a lot of time uh, really reaching out to those families who we're still waiting to hear from, who might still be making a decision. Um, and so our admissions director does take care of a lot of that. This time of year, we spend a lot of time talking to seventh graders. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of what we're doing right now, like Tom said, it's being done virtually, uh, talking about virtual tours and virtual open house and virtual seventh grade visit days. And what can we do um, just to show a little bit about Camden Catholic to those families who might be interested in our school? So a lot of work's been happening in that area. Well, that's good to hear. It's been, and it's been a lot of questions about um, I would imagine other people are hearing it too from families. Is this going to happen into September, into October? And the fear is real and it's palpable. And I think the message that our, our admissions team has been doing and our enrollment team has been doing is sharing that everything we're doing is focused on the students and the students' well-being. And that just because we're in a virtual reality here doesn't mean we're stopping the work we're doing. And we have opportunities for academics. We have opportunities for activities. We have opportunities for their faith to be practiced. And I think hearing that is in a sense, doing some of, um, I don't like saying the word marketing, but it's its some of the marketing for the schools is that the word of mouth is spreading that the work we're doing and the planning we have, and I don't, I mean, obviously I mean Holy Spirit, but I mean all of our schools, mm-hmm. um, we're doing all of that work and the word is spreading and the strength of the plans that we have and the reaction from our faculty and students um, is doing some of the work for us in the real world when we can't, you know, necessarily meet somebody on campus. Yeah. As- as education uh, leaders that you guys are after this pandemic is over, what are the uh, you know things that you see as uh, opportunities coming uh, you know to the education field? Uh, do you think we're going to change after this? What are the things that you sort of like visualize in the future as changing in the education field? Well, short term or long term? Because I think there's, <laughs> there's some differences. Just long, long term, um, like I just mean, thinking ahead. Like, I, I, I mean, long term, it changes. Your, it can change your calendar completely. You know, you can schedule, you can intentionally schedule digital and remote days, which would allow for flexibility for some of those mental breaks. You know, there are times when we have six, seven, eight weeks in a row without a day off, which, you know, kids need a break sometimes after three weeks. Teachers need a break sometimes after three weeks of hard, intense work you can now schedule a digital day and have that built into the calendar without losing remote, without losing instructional time, without losing contact with the kids. Cause you know, you can do it. Um, the one thing that keeps popping up and I'm sure it's everybody's heard it has been, we no longer have to have snow days. <laughs> I, I would actually argue that if it's a single snow day, we should probably keep it because the challenges of the new technology is that we're going to eliminate what the high school experience has been in America for the last 150 years. You know, if it's two, three days, then the opportunity is there to not lose. You know, we don't have to go into end of June, July, because we had a blizzard in March. Um, but I think that the opportunity is to have a better grasp of our scheduling and our, our planning so that we're making sure that our kids are getting what they need. But we're also making sure they're getting those experiences that connect them to each other and to their parents and to their grandparents. And yeah. who doesn't love a snow day? <laughs> yeah. 
Anybody else? And Heather, you were saying? Yeah, I look at it um, a little bit differently. You know, I think this is emergency education. Um, you know, like I said before, nobody was really prepared for this. Um, I think we're doing an excellent job at the the situation that we've been given. And I think that in the future, we're going to be able to use the experience and some tools um, with the guidance that we're given from the school's office, from the Department of Education, all of those things to implement these tools and these things that we've been learning about over this past month in our future. Um, but it's not that this doesn't mean an easy segue to all of the sudden blended learning and online education, because like I said, people didn't sign up to do this right away. They're doing it and they're doing a great job and they're learning a lot along the way, both teachers and students. Um, but I think the most important thing for our communities is going that time when we're gonna be able to get back together. Um, because talking to the adults and talking to the kids, um, that's what everybody misses the most. Um, they miss being there, they miss being in the school and they miss being together. And and it has come at a, at a catastrophic cost for for some students i mean you look at pennsylvania who is who has shut down school for the rest of the school year we don't know what we're recording this on april 15th we don't know what might happen in new jersey yet but that's it that's as likely a possibility as anything mm -hmm. else here that means proms are missed you know state championships are missed graduation is missed my dog is walking around behind me so you might be hearing that in the background um but 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 that sense of loss is is really is really palatable and now my son being a sixth grader you know he's just happy to be on his ipad and he can hang out with his friends like that but when he gets into that you know dating and going to events and things like that that are that have been like you were saying tom that have been hallmarks of the american education system for for a hundred years not having that in your senior year in particular I have to imagine that there is a sense of loss for that. Um, have you guys started to put together, particularly uh, Thomas and, and Heather? Oh, well, actually, this is for the elementary school principals as well. If schools are shut down, uh, you know, throughout the year, I mean, you've, have you figured out how you might want to handle graduations or, or gatherings like that? We actually okay. talked about that at our last yep. meeting. And mm -hmm. as a group, you know, we have to wait for directives from the school's office and the bishop's office. And really, we all need to be on the same page with what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. But and, you... and our kids have, we had a conversation with our student council, and obviously, different students are telling their teachers, they're all, to Heather's point, they're all just dying to be together one last time. Mm -hmm. They've kind of accepted that you know, some of the senior year things aren't going to happen, right? They're not going to have their barbecue in the parking lot. They're not going to have, you know, the fourth quarter. Well, frankly, we all know how seniors are in the fourth quarter of senior year. They're going to miss that opportunity. And they've, they've kind of accepted that. But they are looking for some continuity in the big events, right? They want a graduation ceremony of some sort. They want a prom of some sort and recognizing that it might be different than what they were expecting. Um, but we're, it, we're in that kind of hurry up and wait yeah. planning right now. Yeah. You know, um, and that's the frustrating part. The kids feel it. And I never, you know, I, I don't think anybody has anticipated being in a situation where we have to tell a senior, hey, this isn't going to happen and you're never going to get a chance to repeat this. Right. Right. I wonder, and it's heartbreaking. Like, and, yeah. yeah, definitely. I wonder what you may recommend to parents uh, that are uh, dealing with these issues at home and, and they need to sort of like uh, comfort their children that, you know, uh, you know that they're going to be okay and that uh, there's going to be sort of like a, a kind of closure for for them 
we're communicating. We're letting, we're sharing that, you know, we, we are planning, we recognize that nothing is set. Um, we're going to follow the guidance we're given, but none of this is lost on us. And I think we go back mm -hmm. to the earlier part of the conversation because we've been communicating from the start, because we've been as open and honest as we could be from the start. There is, we've, you know, that's that trust that we have anyway, I think is, is more, is more solid now. And so they know that we're, we haven't forgotten about them and we keep repeating that we haven't forgotten about them and we're not going to forget about them. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to say, I think that my families and even things, conversations I've had, there is this sense of people understand where we are and they understand that yep. there's a little bit of this unknown factor. And like Tom said, we're communicating as much as we possibly can. Um, sometimes I even wonder, am I communicating too much, but everybody seems to appreciate it. <laughs> and, you know, because they're, they're in the know about what's happening as much as we possibly can tell them. Um, and I think to Marianella's point, just to, you know, to listen to your, their kids and, you know, I would encourage families just to have those conversations and to know that it's okay to be sad, you know, and it's okay to miss your friends and your teachers. Um, and the more that we can talk about that and the more that we can let students, you know, express that, that grief or that sadness, I think that that's really important. And sister Geraldine, you were going to say something. I was just going to say that we were already talking about that with the teachers and with different families. And we are planning on whenever we do come back to make sure that the children do get together. And if it happens that we don't finish out the year at school, even in the summertime, just to have a graduation ceremony, to have something where the kids can come back and say goodbye to each other. The closure is very important for them. Um, the parents are very creative, so they have some pretty good ideas too. No, that's great that's to hear. And I'm, I'm, I'm certainly hopeful that, that something like that will, will happen. Um, I, I have a, a number of seniors and eighth graders that uh, are friends with my son and friends of the family. And I just keep looking at them going, boy, I hope they get some experience before it, it, it all ends. And I know it's not, and I, I say that knowing it's not on you, it's, it's on the state of New Jersey mm -hmm. and, and what's going to happen. And I, I really very much appreciate the fact that that's actually something that's at the forefront of your minds. I think, I hope people are comforted by that, that as soon as you guys are able to do something, you'll be, you'll do something. Um, now, in the last five minutes we have left, I, I did want to focus on Camden Catholic one more time, just because you guys did have one of the great stories come out of out of this, and, and a lot of it ha had to do with uh, the brilliance of uh, your choir director, uh, Greg Gardner, uh, and something he did with, with uh, the school and the band. Heather, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Greg um, and his brother Patrick, who is his music assistant, Greg is uh, incredibly creative. Um, and there is um, this song that we sing at mass. And uh, what Greg did was, and it looks like this big sort of Zoom meeting, uh, but what he did was he actually had all of his choir members individually record themselves singing the song. Um, and then what he did, I think there's something like 35 kids in the first video he has. He um, edited them all together, including himself and his brother, both playing instruments, um, uh, so that we had a virtual choir um, singing this song. It was really, um, it's fabulous. It's uh, so creative. Uh, Greg is incredibly humble about it uh, when he talks about it. Um, he made uh, local news, uh, NCEA picked it up, NPR picked it up. I saw it on some other website last night, got picked up. Um, and just something that was 
really heartwarming. And like I said, again, very inspiring um, because it was, um, you know, something that was really great to showcase the kids and just to really bring spirits up and absolutely fabulous. And if people wanted to see that, where could they go to, to view it? Um, right now, Camden Catholic Facebook page has it up there. Um, it's on YouTube as well, the Camden Catholic YouTube page. Um, and, uh, yeah. that was just a, just another one of those highlight moments of, of a very weird time where the creativity of people has come forth and we've just seen great and wonderful opportunities to, to do things. And, and I'll tell you, um, thank you, the, particularly the four of you, um, for, you know, really stepping up during this time and making sure that, that all of these families, you know, do feel the love that they, they do feel that we're, that we're part of something bigger still that our Catholic education system was was ready to meet the challenge when something like this this happened something that we all none of us I'm sure ever thought would we would ever have to to deal with and yet you guys have been doing it successfully and I know it's been successful because I have so many uh, Catholic school friends that have said to me that while it has been a unique experience on the parent end that they're all very grateful that it still exists um, and actually they're <laughs> Quite frankly, their biggest fear is what happens when summer vacation rolls around, <laughs> because that's, that's a lot of iPad time that they're going to be fighting uh, their, their kids to stay off of. Um, but uh, but I think I think it's I think it's really wonderful. Everything that you guys have done, your faculty has done, that the students have been willing to to try and do. And, and it's really been wonderful. And I, I think we need to give a little bit of uh, praise to the uh, to the Catholic schools office of the Diocese of Camden, who, from what I can tell, have been as responsible as ever I've been throwing out lots of ideas to everybody and and been very communicative uh would you say that's correct Mary Beth and Marianella you guys seem to be burning the candle at both ends in a lot of ways I think Mike go ahead Mary Beth no I was just going to say I think we've stayed pretty closely connected and you know Bill has invited us to be part of principals zoom calls which is helpful because it gives us a sense of what's going on around the diocese and it's been it's it's been really a blessing to be part of this yeah and i think all of us are really impressed and uh thankful to all the principals that are doing such an excellent job leading uh, you know their teachers in this time where like you know evaluations are diff looking much different now right everybody like everything is uh online and so they're doing a tremendous job making sure that uh teachers um, you know, know what to do and uh, learning as everybody else is. So thank you all. Yes, thank you all. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Marianella, uh, thank you for hosting with me. And Mary Beth, thanks for pulling all of this together. And I hope to see you all back in your uh, schools very soon. I, I look forward to trying to figure out how to shoehorn my own son back into his Catholic school uniform at some point. He's getting very <laughs> used to T-shirts and shorts. But at the same time, the bishop's going to have a hard time getting me to put a tie on ever again. But, you know, we'll, we'll little, little battles as we move along. So thank you all very much. And to our listeners, we'll talk to you again uh, next week. Bye. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Bye. Thanks for having us. Thank you all.